through on a promise to stop Kinder Morgan. And Uber hits the streets. We think British Columbia is the perfect place for Uber. Why the cars are being spotted in Vancouver, even if they can't pick up passengers. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Residents of a Surrey condo building are in a battle with the Strata Council president that's about as nasty as it gets. They say the situation is so bad, their home has become a living hell. Paul Johnson has the details on this story. They're pretty incredible, Paul. What are the tenants alleging? Um, unreasonable fines, extreme surveillance are a couple of their charges. You know, living in a strata can be difficult. A lot of people who've experienced it know that. Um, but there are always two sides to every story. Take a look behind me here, though, and you can see what's going on right now as we speak. Um, one thing is certain, there has clearly been a serious breakdown in relations here. How often do you see a street demonstrator taking on his building strata? Well, Errol Polva has got his reasons. We quite literally feel like we're, li we're living in a prison. We Polva says things got really weird in the De Carisi building last month when residents started getting notices of big fines for all kinds of minor mistakes associated with apartment living. I got a $200 fine for driving away before the gate was fully closed. Isla Arachi says when her daughter didn't quite follow the rules about throwing out boxes, this was the result. She got a $200 fine for the cardboard and a $200 fine for the trash. So many fines in a single month that a group of residents here have gotten together, organized online, and say the total amount of fines issued last month was more than $40,000. He's harassing everybody in the building. And what's aggravating this fight is the strata's apparent reliance on a video surveillance system to catch the infractions. One, two, three. In the garbage room alone, there appeared to be three cameras, one that started blinking while we were there. Not a good feeling. Hi, this is a message for Raleen. The Strata president declined an opportunity to answer on camera, but told me none of this is true, that he's obeying all the rules governing Stratas, and that he's running a safe and efficient building. You go to take out your garbage on a daily basis and you're afraid that you're going to be fined by it. Amy Alucci says she got fined $280 for putting up signs about the problems. At the end of the day, yes. how do you feel about coming back to your home here? It's terrifying. I hate it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, obviously very emotional. Paul, what is the Strata president's explanation for why things have gotten so bad there? You know, he says at the end of the day, this is a small group of people who are upset because of mistakes that they have made. And the rules here are very clear. And he says that in actuality, this is one of the best managed Strata corporations in the province. Sophie? All right. Thanks for that. Paul Johnson in Surrey. B.C.'s public safety minister meeting with RCMP and Surrey's mayor today to find out ways to deal with the recent rash of very public shootings there. Catherine Urquhart joins us now with more on this. And Catherine, Linda Hebner, the mayor, was very animated describing the problem today. What, if anything, did this meeting accomplish? 
Well, Chris, both the public safety minister and the mayor of Surrey indicated that their meeting today here with top brass of the RCMP in Surrey resulted in some strategies for dealing with the gang problem. Now, earlier this week, we saw three shootings in Surrey within a 12-hour period, and we've seen shootings in other communities as well, including in Abbotsford. But as for details on these new strategies or ideas for dealing with gangsters, well, few details so far. There are a number of initiatives that I will be taking to Cabinet. Cabinet is meeting, uh, has just met. Uh, this is a, a campaign commitment that we intend to, to, uh, to commit to. And I, we've said that there will be additional monies going into the RAP program. You can expect an announcement on that in the, uh, in the weeks uh, to come. But that is clearly a priority because, it's, as I said, it's a multi-pronged approach. So, yes, it's around education, and yes, it's around prevention. It's also around uh, enforcement and consequences and a long-term strategy to help people get out of the gang lifestyle. I would like to, uh, the public to know that we are doing everything we can to possibly uh, have these folks behind bars. I don't care if they're jaywalking, doesn't matter if they're loitering, if there's anything we can do or get them on. We're advancing that as much as we can, but we do need the public's help. Now, both the minister and the mayor also issued a strong warning to friends and family members of gangsters. And we've heard this before, that they risk getting hurt or killed by their association. The minister and the mayor urged friends and family to come forward to police with information, saying that it's their responsibility. Chris? And clearly need some help. All right, thanks very much, Catherine Urquhart. A police chase that resulted in a serious crash and takedown of two robbery suspects caught on our Global One helicopter. It began in Vancouver and ended in Burnaby this morning. The VPD says the pair is connected to a string of property crimes. One of the men was taken to hospital with minor injuries he sustained in the crash and as he was being taken down by a police dog. No officers were injured and the investigation is ongoing. To some breaking wildfire news now and a new evacuation order has just been issued due to the Precipice Creek fire, which is burning just east of Bella Coola. Effective immediately, the Caribou Regional District and the Ulcacho First Nation have issued an evacuation order for areas around Anaheim Lake and the entire Yulcacho First Nation territory. The evacuation route is east on Highway 20 towards Williams Lake or west on Highway 20 towards Bella Coola. Investigators are trying to determine what sparked a major fire at an Abbotsford lumber yard. You saw these pictures live on the news hour last night. The fire sending thick black smoke into the air, temporarily shutting down the Trans-Canada Highway. Today, the owner spoke to our Jennifer Palma about the damage and what happens next. Exploding propane tanks as a fast-moving fire takes over a wood remanufacturing plant. Thick black smoke and flames leaving employees and the owner speechless. Shock. Sean Beasley surveys the damage of his Abbotsford area business. Precision Custom Reman. Three buildings are affected, and so are 22 employees. We'll have to uh, sit down and put the pieces together here. I'm just yeah. uh, more so concerned about my uh, employees. There's right. 17 families that are affected by this as well. We've got some very loyal customers. For a year, Colton Bird has been working at Precision Custom. Now he's left wondering what he'll do. I don't know. It's only been a couple hours, so I'm trying to figure out what my game plan is here, but... Um, 
maybe just try and find another job and save up some money. The firefight was tough, threatening other businesses, including a neighboring Petropass truck stop gas station. Fire crews strategically set up to keep the flames away. It worked, but embers managed to get across the road and light a nearby dried-up median on fire along Highway 1 at Mount Lehman. One man tried to control the flames. The situation forced the Trans-Canada to be temporarily closed, causing commuter chaos. We actually had two fire scenes going at the same time, and so we redeployed uh, an engine and tender to look after the uh, fires along the highway and through all the resources at this. The cause remains under investigation. Beasley is left debating what to do. They've lost between three-quarter and a million dollars in equipment. Will you rebuild? That, that's uh, certainly uh, one of the things we'll have to sit down and, and have a look at. I, I sure hope we can. Beasley has insurance, but there is no reopening date. Jennifer Palma, Global News. BC announcing today it will be taking steps to stop the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. Kinder Morgan proposing to triple the capacity of its current pipeline from Edmonton to Burnaby. And while it has already been approved by Ottawa, the former BC government and the National Energy Board, as Keith Baldry reports, the fight appears to be far from over. Our government has been clear and consistent that the expanded Kinder Morgan pipeline is not in B.C.'s best interest. But the question is, how can the B.C. government stop the project? The strategy is now clear. Court and regulation challenges will argue First Nations rights have not been met in the process. We are committed to ensuring that our legal duty to consult meaningfully with Indigenous people is maintained at every step of this process. To that end, the government has appointed former B.C. NDP leader and B.C. Supreme Court Justice Tom Berger as outside counsel, citing his legal expertise on First Nations legal matters. We think that his presence on this file uh, will signal a couple of things. Uh, one is our commitment to uh, First Nations in British Columbia, uh, both in the specific litigation, but generally with respect to the U.N. Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission recommendations uh, that there is a new government. Naturally, the NDP's partner in the legislature, the B.C. Green Party, was pleased with the government's move. The B.C. NDP promised to take every uh, step available, legally available to them. Today, they basically announced just that. So we're absolutely thrilled that they've lived up to that promise. Kinder Morgan issued a statement suggesting it will continue on regardless. Company President Ian Anderson saying, We are committed to working with the province and permitting authorities in our ongoing process of seeking and obtaining necessary permits and permissions. We have undertaken thorough, extensive and meaningful consultations with Aboriginal peoples as we move forward with construction activities in September. And the Alberta NDP insists that no matter what their B.C. NDP cousins do, the pipeline will still be built. There is a scope within which the provincial government has the ability to exercise its authority, and that's what the provincial government is doing. But it is not attempting, in my view, to counteract the, uh, the, the authority of the federal government to move forward on the pipeline that's been approved that will be built. But may take a lot longer because, Keith, this basically guarantees a lot of court challenges. Yeah, so uh, David Eby says the B.C. government wants to, is seeking intervener status at a National Energy Board judicial review. It's already been named as a respondent in a case involving the Squamish Indian ban, which says they didn't, weren't adequately consulted. Then there's a very, every real prospect of Kinder Morgan perhaps suing the government if this thing starts to get tied up. 
in a in a fight in terms of permits and regulations and other court cases. You've got Alberta, Jason Kenney, who could be the next premier of Alberta, uh, launching an aggressive broadside at BC, vowing all sorts of sanctions if he becomes premier and, and BC tries to stop the pipeline. And who knows whether Justin Trudeau may invoke the nuclear weapon here, which is declaring the pipeline to be in the national interest. And no matter what anybody says, it's going ahead. So I think things are going to get a little ugly. All right, Keith, thanks for that. And Taylor Swift stands her ground, taking on a DJ she accuses of going way too far to get a good picture. That's coming up a little later as well. Now, they are considered a scourge on city streets. Paper or plastic cups simply left strewn on the side of the road. And now a new poll suggests the majority of people in Metro Vancouver are willing to pay a deposit on those cups, just like pop or beer cans. The survey, conducted by Insights West, found that 68% of Metro Vancouverites believe a deposit refund program is a very good or good idea. Fewer, 54%, would allow stores to charge an additional cost for paper and plastic cups used. And 35% would ban all disposable cups and serve hot beverages in personal containers only. We've all seen those reusable cups, uh, but when we ask people who are having coffee outside of their office or home, uh, three out of four of those coffees are poured in disposable cups. So it was definitely a massive number. I thought it was going to be more like 50-50. If it helps the environment, then that's good. With Vancouver moving towards um, becoming more green, that'd be a great incentive for users who, you know, deposit their coffee cups properly rather than just throwing it away in the garbage where it's not recycled. At least worth like five cents or something. We can probably make a like like a bin of, you know, worth money bin, and then we can just stack up and use it as a, like, I don't know, common money for a coffee or whatever. Well, ride sharing hasn't officially begun yet in BC, but Uber is already banking on the future here. Today, the company began mapping routes on the West Coast ahead of their anticipated launch. Jill Bennett got a lay of the land. Ask people from out of town if they have Uber. The answer is usually yes. Love Uber, have in Dallas, use it all the time. Everywhere else I go, I do 100% use it. We're in a small town. Yeah, yeah, but Uber's all over down there. There are 25 Uber cars now on the streets of Metro Vancouver. For the next month, they'll be driving around, not picking up customers, but rather mapping the region, gathering information, getting ready to launch in B.C. The only problem is, it's unclear when that might happen. All three uh, political parties did uh, promise to bring ride-sharing here before the end of 2017. And so we're, we're hopeful that, you know, before the end of the year, all, all parties are going to keep their promise. It is on the new transportation minister's list of things to do. With the official line, safety in the passenger transportation industry in B.C. remains our highest priority. And we will continue to ensure any vehicle for hire meets our province's safety and insurance standards. That's something the Vancouver Taxi Association says is key. One taxi operator pays $35,000 a year for insurance. You know, so if an Uber vehicle is out there paying, you know, $3,000 a year for insurance and then they're charging a dollar or $2 or whatever for their trip, there's no possible way we can compete with that. But those who use Uber say it's popular because of a lot more than just being a cheaper ride. You can like see how many are available around you and you can know like exactly when they're going to come pick you up. It's instantaneous, so um, the second you call it, it's four minutes away and then it knows exactly to pick you up. It getting there and not having to call and wait or anything like that, so I just think it's great. 
Anyone trying to get an Uber here will continue getting this screen instead. For now, the only Uber rides on the road are those mapping and waiting for a green light from the new government. We think British Columbia is the perfect place for Uber, and so we'd, uh, we'd be keen on being ready as soon as possible. Jill Bennett, Global News. Victoria has recorded its first confirmed seizure of carfentanyl in the city. The powerful drug was discovered as a result of a joint police operation. Nitu Garcha shows us the brand new technology that helps police detect these highly toxic chemicals. This is the Victoria Police Department's new negative pressure drug processing room. Now, it's not even open to the full department quite yet. And during trial runs last week, the first test turned up some disturbing finds. A packet of drugs analyzed on this ion scanner showed it contained a deadly mix, heroin and carfentanil. And this is the first confirmed case that the latter drug exists here in B.C.'s capital. It was surprising as well as, as I said, a relief that when we were finally entering the world of now doing carfentanil seizures, that we have this room up and running so that um, we can do it in the, in the best kind of safe conditions possible. Now, the irony is in how police got these drugs. They were seized as part of an arrest last week. Two men were arrested in the course of a traffic stop, and it is a result of that traffic stop that we seized the additional drugs, including the carfentanil. Other drugs were found, like cocaine mixed with fentanyl, methamphetamine mixed with fentanyl, and brass knuckles, which are a prohibited weapon. Police are only identifying one of the two men who were taken into custody that day. They say Horst Francisco Shermer was wanted for violations of court-ordered conditions, including prohibitions for the possession of controlled substances. The other man was released on a promise to appear in court. Victoria, along with Vancouver and Surrey, we are the epicenter of the fentanyl crisis epidemic for all of Canada. Carfentanil is about 100 times more potent than fentanyl. Now, there was some suspicion that the drug existed in Victoria before last week's detection, but as I mentioned before, that was the first confirmed case of carfentanil in Victoria. Back to you. Big news in politics. A couple of provinces over today with a stunning announcement from Brad Wall, the premier of Saskatchewan. Wall was once considered a possible candidate for prime minister, even though his lack of French would have held him back. But today he announced he's retiring from politics. He has served as premier for 10 years and feels now is a good time to move on. Wall says he will stay on until a new leader of the Saskatchewan party is chosen. An Alberta politician is under fire for behavior he wouldn't have tolerated before he was elected. MLA Derek Fildebrand of the new United Conservative Party is accused of renting out his taxpayer-subsidized apartment on Airbnb when he isn't using it. Global Calgary's Mia Soziak reports. A note on the door at Derek Fildebrandt's Strathmore office says everyone is out in the constituency and the opposition finance critic isn't responding to interview requests. He is promising to donate, as he puts it, $2,555 to the Alberta debt. But it's money he earned by airbnb his taxpayer-subsidized apartment in Edmonton, which he says is allowed under the rules. Some longtime residents like Diana Schumann feel the double-dipping allegation has been overblown. I think it's petty, and to be dwelling on such a minuscule amount is absolutely ridiculous. Others are furious about what their MLA did. No, ma'am, it's not okay. It's not okay at all. Christine Abel runs the dry cleaners next to Fildebrandt's constituency office. That's not fair. Because why are we paying and he's getting paid for that? Definitely not. I just, I 
definitely don't agree with that at all. I have a question from Brian Jean from one of our listeners. On News Talk 770 Thursday, Fildebrandt was getting little support from his former leader or from Jason Kenney, the United Conservative leadership candidate he's backing. All I can tell you is that uh, for the 19 years I uh, fought for Alberta in Ottawa, uh, I uh, never thought of, of renting out my apartment there. I would certainly not do it. Uh, it's not something that I would consider to be um, appropriate for me. Well, we think that it's wrong when MLAs are given these funds. They're not meant for them to be able to use in turn to uh, profit uh, personally from it. Vildebrandt was a stickler over MLA expenses as Alberta director of the Canadian Taxpayers Foundation. Also an outspoken critic over double-dipping allegations involving Senator Mike Duffy. Most Canadians were disgusted by it, but we're not surprised by it. Many Albertans now left surprised to find Vildebrandt at the centre of his own scandal. Mia Sosiak, Global News. ICBC says there's a car crash almost every two minutes in B.C. That explains in part why accident claims are skyrocketing. But as Ted Chernecki found out, one of the other reasons for the soaring cost is simply how expensive it is to repair your vehicle. The only way around the soaring cost of repairing today's vehicle is to not get in a crash in the first place. That's why ICBC is putting pedal to the metal and trying to get everyone to be smarter at the wheel. We feel a lot of it can be contributed to, to not only the, the vehicles themselves and the newer technology, but we think driver behavior has a lot to do with this too. Here we got a camera here for forward collision avoidance. This headlight costs about 1200 bucks now. All that tech is to get you to buy the vehicle. But then automakers rely on the sale of replacement parts to pad their profits. They charge crazy prices because they can as the part needed is probably proprietary. And then there's the labor cost of dealing with this new complexity. A good example is a Ford Focus front bumper. That now takes five hours to completely remove, uh, change all the components over and put the new one on, where before it may have only taken an hour and a half. All of this is unfortunate for insurance companies because they are left paying the bill. Like a Mazda headlight that in 2005 cost $500, but 10 years later, and now probably lead technology, the cost $1,600, up 220%. A Toyota Camry windshield from about $600 to more than $2,200. The price of a wheel on a Ford Focus in 2002 was approximately $250. Now, that same wheel on a current model year Ford Focus is about $2,700. So here's that wheel on a Ford Focus. How does that go from 250 to 2700? The shape hasn't changed, it's still round. They're designed to decrease the weight of the vehicle and at the same time there's greater technology in the wheels which contribute to a higher cost for the manufacturing. Last year ICBC paid out 2.7 billion dollars in injury claims which in some ways is understandable. Less so is the 1.5 billion in damage claims. The solution really is to drive smarter and leave the phone alone. Tetranaki Global News. Much like the Alex Fraser Bridge this evening, the Massey Tunnel is eased right off after a busy afternoon commute. Counterflow is out two lanes in both directions and minimal delays both ways. How does the best warranty in the auto business get better? Get Mitsubishi special no-charge extended warranty with even longer coverage. Limited time offer. Visit MitsubishiMotors.ca for details. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. Let's see what he does with Guam. He does something... In Guam, it will be an event the likes of which nobody's seen before, what will happen in North Korea. Even more fire and fury from the U.S. president today in the escalating tensions with North Korea. 
Donald Trump doubling down on the tough rhetoric a day after the North Korean regime laid out plans to potentially strike the U.S. island of Guam. Kristen Welker reports. A defiant President Trump escalating his war of words with North Korea, digging in on his threat of fire and fury. If anything, maybe that statement wasn't tough enough. The president making the ominous comments from his golf club in Bedminster after security briefings with his vice president, national security advisor, CIA director and chief of staff, responding to critics who argued his earlier remarks crossed a dangerous line. It's about time that somebody stuck up for the people of this country. North Korea has ratcheted up its rhetoric this week, now threatening to launch missiles by mid-August, aimed at the U.S. territory of Guam. Let's see what he does with Guam. He does something in Guam. It will be an event the likes of which nobody's seen before, what will happen in North Korea. It's not a dare. It's a statement. And on the specter of nuclear conflict? I would like to denuke the world. I know that President Obama said global warming is the biggest threat. I totally disagree. And nobody including North Korea, is going to be threatening us. But when pressed on whether he's considering a preemptive strike, which officials tell NBC News is on the table. We don't talk about that. I never do. I'm not like the other administration that would say we're going into Mosul in four months. I can tell you that what they've been doing and what they've been getting away with is a tragedy. And it can't be allowed. The president also lashed out at his predecessors, calling them ineffective and acknowledging a new round of sanctions might not be enough to solve the problem, even denying any internal discord when it comes to communications in his administration. There are no mixed messages. And I'll tell you this, it may be tougher than I said it, not less. His message to Americans now, stay calm. People of this country should be very comfortable. But to North Korea? North Korea better get their act together or they're going to be in trouble like few nations ever have been in trouble in this world. A man has been arrested for allegedly pushing a woman into the path of a bus in a London or in that London attack back in May. British police released the startling surveillance footage of the incident earlier this week. It shows a 33-year-old woman being knocked over by a jogger on Putney Bridge. She tumbles in front of a double-decker bus but manages to avoid being hit. After a public appeal, investigators took a 50-year-old man in for questioning this morning. It was signed on July 20th. And a camera covering a routine city council meeting in Boulder City, Nevada yesterday caught the moment a woman's purse suddenly exploded. The woman holding the purse was treated for minor burns. It's believed a battery in a vape pen may have caused the explosion. It was a showdown in a Colorado courtroom today when music superstar Taylor Swift took the stand. She testified about what happened on the day a radio DJ allegedly groped her during a photo op. He denies the accusation and says she ruined his career. NBC's Joe Fryer reports. On the stand for an hour, pop superstar Taylor Swift firmly, repeatedly testified a radio DJ lifted her skirt and intentionally grabbed her behind while posing for a photo. It was a definite grab, a very long grab, the singer said. He stayed latched onto my bare cheek as I lurched away from him. I got as far away from him as I could. At issue in this federal trial, did David Mueller grope Swift while posing for this photo at a pre-concert meet-and-greet in 2013? The picture, published last year by TMZ, was introduced into evidence. 
Swift didn't tell anyone until the meet and greet was over, waiting for fans to leave the room. When Mueller's attorney pointed out she could have taken a break, Swift replied, yes, and your client could have taken a normal photo. Swift's reps never reported the allegation to police, but did tell Mueller's station, KYGO, which fired him two days later. Mueller filed a civil suit against Swift and members of her team, saying they cost him his job. This week, he testified he never groped Swift, instead saying he felt what appeared to be her rib cage. But Swift, who's countersuing, alleging assault and battery, says she's certain. You can ask me a million questions. I'm never going to say anything different. Fans of the Grammy-winning artist once again filled the courtroom. She was very confident in the stand. Uh, you've heard about a, a, a lawyer badgering a witness. It was the first time I've seen a witness badgered a lawyer. Swift said it appeared Mueller had a few cocktails before the photo, but Mueller testified he had nothing to drink before the meet and greet. Joe Fryer, NBC News, Denver. In health matters, today a breakthrough in gene editing may open the door to transplant organs from animals safely into humans. Scientists were able to create gene-edited piglets free from viruses that can cause disease in humans. The research was published today in the journal Science. People working in the fields of gene editing and cloning say the technique could drastically cut down on the shortage of organs available for transplant, with no risk of disease transferred from the animal to the patient. The Harvard doctor leading the study says organ transplants from animals might be available within two years. Here's Christy with a look at uh, what's coming up in weather. And, uh, yeah, it seemed pretty warm out there today. Oh, my gosh. Smoking hot. Pun intended, you guys. Check out these numbers. So I've put together a map for you. On the left, the numbers in red are the humidex value. That's the feels like out there. On the right is the regular temperature. Langley hit 39 with the Humidex. Close to 40 degrees is what it felt like in Langley today. It is hot. It is smoky. Even near the water, we're at 32 with the Humidex value. And yes, uh, the smoke is widespread right across the south coast. Although the visibility was a little better today. We're at 19 kilometers. So it's lightened up only a titch. And we're going to see another smoky day. So one more of this on the way. And then that change. We're still advertising for the weekend. Uh, the uh, um, North Coast region, though, was added to the air quality advisory today. So it's still that one more day of that thick smoke. So here's a look at the jet stream. We have had 10 days of this air quality advisory. In fact, uh, we've broken a record across Metro Vancouver for the longest stretch of air quality advisory. Broke the record from uh, 2009. Now the change, though, the jet stream is starting to dip just off the coast here. And that is, trend is going to continue, allowing this moisture to eventually push on shore. That's going to bring in the rain across the south coast, Come Saturday night, more cloud, cooler temperatures, and that rain is expected to push into the interior just in the form of showers. Not as much rain as what we'll see across the coast, but finally starting to clear out a lot of that smoke. So the transition day Saturday... I think the majority of that uh, change you'll really see, though, on Sunday. In the meantime, this is your tomorrow, as I mentioned. One more hot, dry day. Increasing cloud, though, for these northern regions towards the end of the day. But hot, sunny, and smoky across all of these regions. 32 in Kamloops, down towards the Soyuz as well. And again, very humid across the south coast. So near the water feels like lower 30s. Inland feels like mid to upper 30s. And that transition day with increasing cloud Saturday. Still hot, but starting to get breezy. That'll blow out a little bit of the smoke. And then Sunday, we are expecting rain. In fact, we'll start to see the rain uh, push in through the overnight periods on Saturday. Hazel and Bubbles are celebrating birthdays today. Don't you love those names? I wish we could bring those back. 
Uh, well, hopefully we will. All right, and our weather window for tonight. Janet and Ralph Gower, and this is from a Soyuz. You can see the smoke in the background, but a beautiful sunset shot. Ralph is 64 years old and water skiing, so participation. You can also get out there and do that just like Ralph at 64. All right, guys, back to you. Probably not as well as him, though. No, not not pulling a turn like that on a beautiful lake. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get back to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The actor is in Vancouver filming a new movie right now. And as you saw, he took a moment to appreciate the view and share his theory on dealing with the curveballs life throws at you. Take a listen. Look, I've dropped my blood and sweat in this city, wrestled multiple matches in this city, shot big movies in this city. But one thing that a lot of people don't know that I want to share with you guys is when I was 22 years old, I came to this city for the first time. I was playing in the Canadian Football League, playing my first pro football game. I was playing for the Calgary Stampeders. We were playing the BC Lions. I was so excited. Two days later, I got cut. (laughs) Dream shattered. Sent home with seven bucks in my pocket. I was like, wait, no, I got to play in the NFL eventually. Those are my big goals. That's my dream. You realize that that playing in the NFL was the best thing that never happened because it got me here. So my point is, look, you're going to get your ass kicked. We're going to get the kicked out of us. You got to get up. You got to have faith that the one thing you wanted to happen oftentimes is the best thing that never happened. So have faith and just keep that in mind and keep plugging away. November 3rd, big day for rugby fans. You're you did the- just put it in your calendar, didn't you? Well, I put it in my personal phone earlier, but I was just checking to see if I, have them. I don't have them synced. Well, yeah, it should be. it's just quite the spectacle watching yeah. these guys in action. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, rugby fans get a big treat this fall when the famed Maori All Blacks will visit BC Place to take on Canada in a men's 15 international match November the 3rd, as Chris said. Practice that uh, haka dance. Always a great experience to see the Maori All Blacks in action. Um, on rugby terms, it's a really high-level game for our Canadian players. On cultural terms, it's going to be this great exchange, as we saw a little bit of today. And uh, in terms of entertainment, it's one of the most exciting teams in the world to watch. So really, really good. Uh, we're all looking forward to November 3rd. All right, look who's back with the Lions. Rush and Ricky Foley played 70 games between uh, 2006 and 09 in B.C. Since then, he's played with the Argos and Riders. But when he was cut loose earlier this week, the Lions scooped up the 35-year-old to get some more depth and veteran leadership on the defensive line. I kind of just be like a big brother if you want me there. You know, if you want some advice, you come to me. You know, I'll be... You know, trying to encourage you, trying to give you, you know, positive, I guess, critique, you know, not that, you know, come on, you know, that that old school yelling at a young guy and trying to get after him. I don't really think that works too much anymore. It's, um, but, you know, honestly, man, I'm just trying to fit in. It's their locker room, right? So uh, I know why I'm here. You know, we brought him in because of his experience, uh, because of his uh, skills that we need, and we need a pass rusher. And, uh, you know, he's uh, worked hard. He's happy to be here. Uh, if he can give us what we want, you know, then it's up to him. CFL today, Eskimos and Red Blacks. Eskimos lead the West 6-0. and Haven't lost this year yet. And Mike Riley, what a year he's having. Although Ladarius Perkins does the heavy lifting on this touchdown. 17th straight game with a TD pass for Riley, which breaks the Eskimo record previously held by Warren Moon and Tracy Hamm. But it's 2019 Ottawa right now in the third. 
Golf's final major is underway at famed Quail Hollow in North Carolina. The PGA Championship and all the attention this week has been on Jordan Spieth, who if he wins this tournament would become the youngest player ever to win all four majors. Faster than Tiger, Jack Nicholas. of course he won the Open Championship, Jordan did just a few weeks ago in England, and he's paired with Masters champ Sergio Garcia and the U.S. Open champ Brooks Kepka. Always the traditional Thursday-Friday grouping at the PGA, and Spieth, Nice recovery late in his round. It was three over, but two birdies in his final three, so one over 72. Not bad. Brooks Kepka, he's got some game, a guy to look out for this week. Chips in for birdie on three. He's at three under, one off the lead. Denmark's Thorbjorn Olesen. Long birdie putt on 18. And he led the morning wave, four under 67. Conditions got uh, much tougher in the afternoon with the wind and the greens lightning fast, but Rory McIlroy will chip in for birdie here. One over 71 for Rory, just like Jordan Spieth. Joost Luton, the uh, Dutchman. Not really in contention, but certainly the shot of the day. Tee shot on number four. One hop and in for the ace, but well back at five over. Ricky Fowler is this the week he wins that first major title two under 69 for ricky after that birdie graham dillette one of three canadians in the field this is at the fourth and nice roll to get to two under but the greens were very difficult and anything downhill was tricky check out dillette here what two and a half feet yeah so tentative missed a couple of those short ones got back to even but on the ninth after a nice recovery, Dillette, little little upset there, but he's going to feel better uh, over dinner tonight after making this nice birdie on nine. So he's 15th place, one under par, only 24 players out of 156 broke par today. And there's a tie for the lead, Kevin Kistner joining Olison, Adam Hadwin, not so good, eight over 79, seven straight pars to start, but then it went south from there. I'll have to shoot three or four under to make the cut tomorrow. Rogers Cup, third round, 18-year-old Denis Shapovalov, the only Canadian left taking on top seed Rafael Nadal, and Shapovalov came out strong. Huge backhand winner here down the line. Three all in the opening set. Of course, uh, Nadal, one of his heroes, hard-hitting lefty just like himself, but Nadal got a break in the eighth game and then closed out the set with this passing shot. 6-3 to Nadal. Wayne Gretzky's been there all week. Watching and cheering on the young uh, Torontonian, he had to like that shot. Went up a break 4-1, but Nadal has come back 4-4 at last check in the second set. But Shapovalov maybe giving Raonic uh, a little bit of run as the yeah. best tennis player in Canada right now. There you go. Coming up on ET Canada, Taylor Swift takes a stand and Ryan Murphy defends his controversial new TV shows. We have previews of Channing Tatum's new comedy and season two of The Crown. That's all coming up at 7, right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right. Thanks very much, Cheryl. Well, the Abbotsford International Air Show takes flight tomorrow, and Canada's snowbirds are always one of the top draws. Turns out today they had an open seat, and our Jay Durant joined them in the danger zone. (laughs) Well, what an absolute thrill it is for me to be flying with the legendary snowbirds. This is my captain. Greg Hume Powell, local guy, West Vancouver, has been with the Snowbirds for two years. And Greg, this is a homecoming for you, basically. You were three years old Mm -hmm. when you attended your first Abbotsford Air Show. It's a huge honor to be able to actually perform. I never thought I'd be in the sky 
uh, doing doing the doing the shows. I'll be honest, I'm not great with heights. I get a bit of motion sickness. Am I going to be okay today? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Is Greg going to push the limits today with me? In a media flight, he might be a little gentle on you just until he tests your stomach. But then after that, we'll, you never know, right? <laughs> and what's the test for the stomach? How will he know? We'll probably see how you are on a 2G pull or something like that. <laughs> Could be a little toasty out on the tarmac in this thing. I don't know if it's very breathable. Shake your head for me. I might try a large. We will attach it from the left. If he gets sick in the cockpit, if he pops his parachute, anything of the sort, he will always a case of beer at the end of the day. So, three things. <laughs> Careful. Beauty. One. Just another day at the office for him. But. Yep. This is my office. It's very small, but subject to G-force. It's pretty awesome. How many Gs are we going to hit today? Uh, probably not more than about three or four. Three or four Gs. Maybe. We'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep it light. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Nice round number. <laughs> The best of the best. HP, thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. I hope I was a good co-pilot. Yeah, you were an excellent co-pilot. I was asking a lot of questions. Did I didn't well. need this, so great. <laughs> it was a great, great trip. <laughs> that was spectacular. Awesome. Thank you, so much. Thank you guys. He was so nervous about it. He was. We call him Maverick from now on. I'm not sure. I'd like to see what they left on the cutting room floor there, because I feel like I wanted to see a loop-de-loop. I feel right. Like we call him or a barrel roll. Yeah, it seemed pretty straight. We could call him Goose, although Goose doesn't. <laughs>